If you missed last week's first week of this new series, which I'm calling A New Beginnings, make sure you get to our website and, uh, and pick up on that, on that teaching. Uh, a new beginning and a brand new year. This is the 10th day of the brand new year. And, uh, and God's got a real word for you. So let's jump into this uh, text. Uh, some incredible insight about what God wants to do in your life and how he wants to do it in your life is found here in this occasion when Joseph is actually dedicating uh, his two boys, his only two boys. Here's what he says. So Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, it is because God has made me forget all my trouble in all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Now, this last piece here, God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Just by way of really quick summary, uh, first of all, last week I told you this is a word from God to you. That God is saying to you, I want to make you and your life fruitful in the year 2021. Now, it's up to you. It's, it's going to be on you to believe it. But here's how I know that it's God's word to you because God has placed it heavy on my heart to share and you could be doing a thousand other things but God has orchestrated it so that you're listening to me as I tell you that God declares that he wants to make your life fruitful productive impactful in the year 2021 and so last week I told you about this prayer that I challenged you to pray. I want to continue to challenge you to pray. Pray this, Lord, make me fruitful in the land of my suffering. You wake up in the morning, you begin to pray that. And, and as you pray that prayer, it, it opens you up to a process. Can somebody shout process? A process hinted at in the, in the scripture when, when, when Joseph says, for God has made me. There is a process. In other words, God wants this for your life, but it's not automatic. It's not magical. There's no wand that's going to be waved. It's a process that you have to enter into and participate in, and it's a process that God is going to drive. Now, another way of talking about this process is this. It, I, I like to call it, it's the work of of redemption God's work of redemption that's another name of this process that we see him driving throughout Joseph's life and throughout uh, the biblical text that he wants to keep driving through your life notice if you start in chapter 37 of Genesis I encourage you to do that over the course of this week and read uh, several uh, all the way to chapter 41 you'll get a sense of Joseph's life and every time Joseph's life is thrown you know he ends up uh, in a cistern and then he's sold into slavery and then he's sold into prison and each time he goes down God brings him back up God brings him back up to ultimately he sits next to Pharaoh and he actually leads the most powerful nation in the world Egypt that's God's work of redemption or what about the nation of Israel they they start off as slaves under the iron feet of oppression in Egypt and God liberates them and transforms them into the most powerful nation, one of the most powerful nations in the world. That's God's work of redemption. That's, that's, the, that's the Jewish story. What about uh, God's, uh, the Jewish people in exile in the Babylonian kingdom and how God meets them in that exile and turns them into impact players in 
the Babylonian kingdom? Or, or what about individuals like Moses who starts off a murderer and a lawbreaker and when God finishes with him, uh, he becomes a lawgiver? Or what about Esther who is an orphan girl that is raised on the poor side of town but God picks her up and when he finishes with her life, she's queen of Persia. It's, it's, can somebody say restoration? Can someone say redemption? It's the work of redemption. And ultimately, the work of redemption is seen in the person of Jesus, that God enters the human story, takes on human suffering on the cross, takes on death at its worth, uh, and totally breaks the power of sin and destroys the power of death, comes out on the other side as a resurrected one. And it is that Jesus that says to all of us who are listening, to you, he says, you did not choose me, but I. I chose you to go and to bear, to live a life of fruit, to bear fruit, much fruit, Jesus says. Before you were in your mother's womb, Jesus says, I had called you and ordained you to be in my will. You just didn't know it. You're just waking up to it now. But, but I want to do a redemptive work in your life in 2021. Now, very quickly, notice here in Genesis chapter 4, uh, notice here in the text, uh, notice how God is driving the process. God has made me forget. Or the next verse, God has made me fruitful. God is driving the process. Are you ready to let God drive the process of your life in 2021? That is the question. Now, last week, I, I just laid out one step, the first step in this redemptive process. And I refer to it simply as forgetting. You notice the first son that Joseph has Manasseh. That name is associated with forgetting. He says, I named him that because God helped me over 13 years from age 17 to age 30. All of the ups and downs. Come on now. God helped me to forget. He made me forget. Now, when Joseph says this, he's not saying that God erased his memory. He's saying that God taught him how to let go some stuff he needed to let go, some old hurts, some bad patterns, some, 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 some terrible relationship. Uh, God taught him how to say, can somebody shout goodbye? Just type goodbye in the text. And so we need to know how to say goodbye. So the first step in God's redemptive process for our lives in 2021 is that we learn how to say goodbye. That was last week, right? I, I want to just focus on that first step today. And I want to answer the question, how? How do I let go of old hurts? How do I let go of broken patterns in my life? How does one let go of the, of the brokenness that you accumulate in your growing up years? Since somebody shout, how? Well, the first thing you've got to do is recognize the role that trauma plays in, 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 in our ability or our inability to say goodbye. Notice this. Often trauma makes it hard for us to let go of old hurts and say goodbye. Now, when we read Joseph's story, and right here in verse 51, uh, you can identify two, what I'm going to call big categories of trauma that he lived through, that he had to ultimately, in a sense, be healed and liberated from in order to say goodbye. The first is what I refer to as circumstantial. I'll talk about that in a minute. Just circumstances that arose in his life where he encountered injustice and mistreatment that he had to ultimately figure out how to let go and say goodbye. 
The second is relational, the stuff that happened in his, during his growing up years among the people he trusted and among the folk that he loved that he ultimately had to figure out how to say goodbye in order to lay claim to the fruitful life that God had in his future. Now, let's look at the text. You'll see it right here in the text. When he, when he, when he names his, his sons, he knows what he says. God has made me forget what? Number one, my troubles. Another word for trouble is hardship. These are the injustices and the things that roll up. That's the circumstantial stuff. And he's made me forget all my father's household. That's the stuff that happened in his growing up years between him and his siblings and, and those broken relationships. Let's illustrate. Let's look at it here from the text so you can get a real clear uh, picture of what that looks like. Now, <laughs> back in, in chapter 37, the story of Joseph begins, and you can begin to, you can see how the dysfunction starts to happen in his household. Watch this. It says, Jacob, this is Joseph's dad, loved Joseph more than any of his other children. Can you guys begin to see the dysfunctioning happening right here? Because Joseph had been born to him in an old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph. It was a beautiful robe. Uh, other translation calls it a coat of, coat of many colors. So, so listen, all of the other 11 boys knew that, that, that Joseph was Jacob's favorite. He, 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 he made it known and then he gives his favorite a coat. And so now his favorite is walking around with this flashy coat, a reminder just how loved he is by his dad, way more than his dad loves his son. Now, do you think that's going to go off well? <laughs> but his brothers here it is hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them they couldn't say a kind word to him can you imagine the conflict the fighting all of the bad things that took place that Joseph would accumulate inside that household ultimately the fathers would and, and, and notice the word hate Ultimately, the brothers would reach such a level of being reviled by their own brother that they will decide to kidnap him. And initially, they want to kill him. They throw him in a cistern, an old empty well, and, and, and they're going to kill him. And then finally, they change their mind and say, we won't kill him. That will kill our dad. So they ultimately ended up selling him to uh, the Midianite traders who ultimately sold him into slavery to Potter. He became a servant in Potiphar's house. Now, can you not, you get it, right? This is the unimaginable that's happening to Joseph from his brothers, from the folk that he loved, from the folk that is his. This is the unspeakable. This is, this is, this is, this is the horrible stuff that's happening in his, in his, in his life. Can somebody shout trauma? So surely Joseph in part of a house ultimately has all of the signs of trauma. I'm, I'm sure he had nightmares about being kidnapped. I'm sure he had flashbacks about being thrown in the cisterns. I'm, I, I, I'm sure there was depression, days of depression and days when he felt hopeless. I'm sure there was days where he, was, he, he boiled over with anger towards his brothers. I'm sure there was fear and anxiety and all of the, the, the trademark signs of anxiety at work in his life. And yet Joseph says, I'm going to name my firstborn Manasseh because as he runs around the house, he's going to remind me of all the things that God taught me over 13 years to forget, to let go, to say goodbye. All right, here's the question for you. 
How do we say goodbye to yesterday's hurt? Well, Joseph can teach us as we look closer at this text. How do you, how do you say goodbye? Number one, number one, first thing is that you want to acknowledge the ending. You want to acknowledge that something has died, a relationship has died, a person has died, an assignment has died, right? A spiritual assignment, a, a career has died, that, that it's over. You want to be able to say out loud, it's over. It's not just over, it's, that, it's not this kind of sort, it's, it's, it's gone never to return again. Now, notice, notice how this is shown in the text. Let's go back to, to the text. Notice what Joseph says. God has made me forget, watch this, all my trouble, shout all, and all my father's household, shout all. When we say this word all, we think about it in terms of totality. But, but there's a deeper meaning here. You should think about it in terms of totality, but ultimately, think about it in terms of finality. Complete. It's over. It's done with. It's the, the, the trouble is done with. It's gone. The, 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 all the stuff in the household, my dysfunctional growing up, it's done with. It's, 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 it's gone. I can't do anything about it. It's, it's, it's over. The only place that it lives is within me, in my psyche, in my heart, but it's, it's, it's over. So now to actualize that step, there's some things you've got to stop. Somebody shout stop. Type stop in big caps in the, in the, in the chat. Everybody shout stop, stop. What do you need to stop? Stop. Number one, you got to stop uh, this notion of trying to return to it, trying to, trying to go back to it. You got to stop this notion of trying to revive what's already dead. You got to stop trying to repair what's not repairable. Come on, you got to stop trying to repay, trying to exact justice for that which you can't exact justice for. You've got to stop trying to, trying, to, trying to keep reliving, reliving, trying to figure out how to undo what, is, what, is the, uh, what you cannot undo. How many of you are trying to, trying to undo what's not undoable? How, are you the person that's trying to bring back to life something that's been long dead? Are you trying to repair a relationship with a sibling or, come on now, or with a colleague, uh, uh, with someone from your past, and it's just not repairable because they just won't cooperate? Here's what Jesus says. You've got to come to a point where you can realize and articulate and acknowledge when something dies. And that, when, that, that, that sometimes, come on now, what, let's just look at what he says. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel or a seed of wheat is planted in the soil and dies. He's saying death is a part of this fruitful process, right? It remains alone, just a seed. But its death will produce Many new seeds, many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. And, 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 and the insight from this text, what Jesus would say, is that some of us are focused on a seed as it relates to a relationship, or it relates to an assignment in life, or, or as it relates to some old wounds that we've accumulated, and, 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 and it's dead. And, and, but we, we keep it, we, we're trying to work with that seed. He says, you've got to let it die. Because by not letting, when you let it die, then you can begin to experience a plentiful harvest. Somebody shout a plentiful harvest. Then God can begin to make 
your life fruitful. Okay. Now listen. So how do I how do I actualize this? Okay. I want to acknowledge it. It's dead. And then I want to suggest you do something that Bishop Pinkett taught me many years ago when I was interning under Bishop Frank Pinkett, former the late pastor of Ebenezer Evergreen Baptist Church. I had been with him all day. We'd gone to tons of meetings, back and forth across the city and across the church. And then about 5, 5.30 in the evening, we got into his office. He got down on his knees. He started to pray. I was sitting in my seat, just he and I alone. The room filled up with the power of the Holy Spirit. Powerful. I got down on my knees and started praying. When he finished, he got up and said to me, son, here's the lesson. All that stuff that I didn't get done, I just need to offer the benediction to the day. (laughs) I I, I need to entrust it in God's hands that, that what's left, the gaps that need to be filled, God will handle it. Because you know what? I've got to now focus on the evening. And he had a whole evening slate of meetings. And he says, I, I can't go in the evening meetings worried about what I did or didn't get done during the course of the day. Offer the benediction. You know, this notion of offering the benediction is practical wisdom in terms of how we say goodbye. It's actually embedded in the word goodbye itself. Goodbye is an old English word that actually means God be with you. And, and, and we take this old English word and really kind of step back and think about uh, uh, Joseph. Uh, uh, how, was you able, how, how, how were you able to say goodbye to all that stuff, that trauma stuff? And, and Joseph, I, I suspect if he was here, he would say, well, listen, for example, you know, <laughs> in, in, in the middle of the evening, I was kidnapped and thrown in a system and sold. And I totally disappeared out of my life. I, 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 I totally disappeared from being the, you know, the, the favorite son of a wealthy family that was destined for a place of leadership. And suddenly I was stripped from my father's house, from my father's life, from all of the relationships. Oh, it was traumatic, he says. And perhaps one of the most traumatic things about the whole thing was I didn't get to say goodbye to my beloved dad. I didn't get to bring that ending to the right kind of ending. I've I've been wondering about, I've been trying to figure out how do I get back, but but ultimately I'll never get back to Canaan. I'll never see him again. It's a dead issue. And so so Joseph was here, he says, look, here's the wisdom. I just say, God be with you. In other words, God, I'm going to entrust all that I didn't get to, all that unfinished business with my dad, I'm going to entrust it into the hands of Almighty God. He'll fill in the gaps. I'm just going to trust he will fill in the gaps so I can move to the future. Perhaps it was the, the anger that he had about his brothers. And maybe if he was here, we'd say, you know, I learned how to say, God be with you. In other words, I, I, that was, you know, the early part of those 13 years, I'm sure he was vengeful and trying to think and wonder how could he get him back. And he, he, he slept on it. He, he tossed and turned. And it's showing up. He was thinking. He's merling it around in his mind. He's 
feeding on it in his heart and finally comes to a point. Remember, the text says, God made me forget. He brought me through a process. He taught me how to let some things go. And perhaps that was the moment when Joseph said, God be with you, brothers. In other words, I'm going to entrust you into the hands of a just God, of a righteous God, and I'm going to trust that, that he'll handle and take care of all that needs to be taken care so I can move forward in the future pull the lessons and move forward what about you so that's the first step let's acknowledge what's dead say it out loud and then stop trying to revive it secondly take your oh, oh let me just make this point here before I move Identify the pain, fear, dash, hopes, or death. What is it that has, what, what, what is the pain? What's the fear? What's the dash, hope? Is there, is there a dream that has died? Identify what that is in the process. You know, for, for, for Joseph, all kinds of dreams died, right? Number one, he, his dream of, 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 of being around his dad died. Number two, his dream of returning to Canaan died. Number three, his, 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 his dream and his hope of, of, of becoming this great leader that he, he forecast that he would be as he was sharing his dreams with his brothers and with his parents. Uh, all of that died. What, what, what's what's what is your fear or your pain or what's the death that's occurred? Identify it. And I think about the kid who, who, who parents move from one city to the next and he's just angry and upset and all the anger is hurt and it's not enough just to say I'm upset because we moved, right? What's the pain? And when he explores it, he figures out that part of the pain is, uh, is all of the friends he left behind. And now he's isolated and alone in this new place. And he longs for and misses his friends. The other part of his anger comes from the fear. The fear of, of all he will have to endure to make new friends. The rejections. The folk who might make fun of him. The folk who might put him down. And all of that he's got to go through. So he's trapped between his friends that he no longer have. And the, and, and the awaiting pain of trying to create new friends. That's the pain. What's the pain you're wrestling with? So, whenever you figure out what those feelings are, and with those feelings, there are some questions attached, right? Take your feelings and your questions to God. No, no, don't try to take them back to somebody else or back to the past or don't just, just maul on them yourself. Take them to God because the trauma that happens in your brain, the trauma that happens in your body ultimately also happens in your soul and, and, and there is a spiritual healing that can set loose all the other healings that you need. Now that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have a therapist and all these other things that we have to use. God provides all of that but I'm telling you there's some spiritual redemptive work that God wants to do in your soul, in your spirit. And it begins going to God. Well, look what the writer of Lamentation says. Lamentation says, rise during the night and cry out. Pour out your heart like water to the Lord. You know, a lot of us are crying and we're pouring out our heart and we're frustrated and we're angry and we're upset. But, but he says, but do it to the Lord. 
Do it in dialogue with God. That's, that's where we activate the spiritual uh, work that God does in our soul. Do it in relationship with God. You know, I remember as a kid hurting myself, running to my grandaunt just in tears. I must have been six years old, seven years old. And, and she pulled me up in her lap and pulled me close to her chest and just rocked me and said, baby, it's going to be okay. <laughs> Whatever was bleeding was still bleeding. Whatever was hurting was still hurting. But there was a soothing that took place in my soul that changed the whole episode. And that's what, that's what the Lamb, that's what the psalmist writes, climb up in God's lap. Let God, Abba, Father, Papa, rock you and let there be a soothing in your soul. I hear you, I hear you say, but what if I don't want to talk to God? What if I'm upset with God? What if I'm angry with God? Well, you know, my favorite story in John chapter 11 addresses that, that Mary's brother Lazarus died. Jesus shows up four days late and as he comes into town, he calls for her. She doesn't even want to see him. Her sister goes, but she stays at home. She says, I don't want anything to do with him. He, he, he didn't show up. He didn't come when I needed him. The death has occurred, I don't, uh, uh, but she, he, she gets word. Jesus is calling for you. And, and I want somebody to hear me today. Jesus knows you're upset. Jesus knows you're frustrated, but your healing is still in him. He's still calling for you. Mary finally gets up in a huff, and I love what the text says. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, and she's screaming, and she's yelling, Lord, if you have been here, my brother would not have died. In other words, oh, God, it's your fault. Lord, I'm holding you accountable. You, 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 you let me down, and she's being honest with him, and she's, she, she's pouring, she's being fully transparent with him. And the response comes from Jesus. He doesn't condemn her doesn't beat up the text says he weeps and the folks standing around says see how he loved because he weeps I want you to hear God that says are you hurting I want you to hear God that says are you wounded I want you to hear God that says uh, are you are you trapped in yesterday's trauma run to the one who is called Jesus Later on, we'll find him in the Garden of Gethsemane, and, and, and there he will cry out, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. He understands, runs, run to him. Later on, you'll find him on the cross saying, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Run to that one. Later on, he will conquer death and rise with all power. Run to that one. It is he who says, Come to me, all ye who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, rest. All right, the last point here I want you to think about is this all this notion of saying goodbye. When you say goodbye, you got to understand that when you say goodbye here, there is this place I call the in-between because your identity is connected to that old relationship. Your identity is connected to that old job. Your identity oftentimes is connected to your wallowing in the pain of yesterday. You don't know who you are when you let that pain go. And when you say goodbye to that, before you can become who God is calling you to come, you got to go through that in-between place. Somebody shout in-between, right? In-between. And, and, and in that in-between place, that's when you often feel Loss. Listen, here's an insight for you. Every great loss in your life will leave you feeling lost. Lost. 
Because there's a transition of where you have to ask the question, who am I? My goodness. Uh, 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 surely uh, this is part of what's going on in, 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 in Joseph's life. Uh, 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 you know, he thought he was destined for greatness and then his life is disrupted between 17 and 30 again and again and again. And, 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 and I'm sure in that period there's a part of him that's lost. But he decides to be faithful where he is. So you got to navigate the in-between. And I want to give you some words. Here's a word. Well, I call it a compass word. In other words, final scripture, a word from God from the biblical text, a word from God for you, just like I've just said, God says what to make you fruitful. Put it up on your mirror somewhere. Come on, make it your screensaver in your phone or on your computer or on your TV set and, and, and engage that scripture. I don't know what Joseph's uh, compass word from God was, but maybe it was Deuteronomy 31. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid are terrified because of them. Who? The brothers that's going to throw you in the cistern. Who? Uh, Potiphar who's going to put you to work. Who? The woman who's going to lie on you and accuse you of rape and throw you in prison. Don't be afraid of them. Why? For the Lord your God goes with you. Why? In the system? Yes. Come on now. Uh, in the jail? Yes. Uh, and every place God shows up in your story, he redeems it. He redeems it. He redeems it. And he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. What is your compass text you know over the years I've had different scriptures that I run to that keeps me focused on the future that keeps me focused on the possibilities that keeps me focused on the fact that God loves me no matter what and let me give you some options just in case you don't have a compass word from God but try Jeremiah 31 3 I like that because in that God declares I have loved you with an everlasting love. Or try Jeremiah 29, 11. That's one of my favorites. I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and to give you a future with a hope. Come on, try Isaiah 40, when my strength runs out and I'm totally exhausted. And I say, God, I can't make it no more. I can hear Isaiah declare, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not get weary. They shall walk and not faint. Come on now. And sometimes it seems like the night of misery and pain is long. But then I remember Psalms 30. I make that my compass direction. 30 and verse 5. Weeping may endure for the night, but oh, in the morning joy comes. And, uh, I, oh, I remember Romans 8 when all hell breaks loose and tragedy surrounds me and trouble dips into my life but but I, I, I believe God's word when it declares God shall make all things work together for the good for those who loved him come on somebody shout work at God come on somebody shout work at God take that pain and work it and help me become more sensitive take that trial and work at God and help me to become more of an instrument of mercy oh God use yesterday's trouble and yesterday's trouble to reposition me in life today. God, somebody shout, work at God. Come on now. Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Whew. Praise. Can somebody say praise the Lord? What's your compass text? So you can navigate the in-between. It keeps you focused. 
And then lastly, you've got to reframe your story, guys. You've got to stop seeing yourself as a victim. You've got, you got to stop. You've got, you got to find God in the story. You've got to see God's at work, God's redemption work in the story. And when you reframe so you know what that means? Shift the telling of the story from being a broken story to being a redeemed story. Notice how the story of Joseph is told. Notice the emphasis, right? God didn't create the dysfunction in his family. God didn't make his brothers decide to hate him and kill him him uh, and then change their mind to, to, to sell him into slavery but 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 God was at work as a matter of fact somebody would say that God was at work because they were going to kill him it was God who got one of the brothers to say no let's come up with a different alternative uh, they threw him in the system and sold him it was God who sent the Midianites by there that's God in the story come on now it was God who raised up Potiphar and, and he didn't make Potiphar's house wife his wife accused Joseph of rape and which meant that Joseph ended up in slavery that's a I mean in prison that's a part of the story but it was God in the prison that elevated him come on now and ultimately it was God that would move him from being a prisoner to being a prince and give him power over the nation of Egypt this is a redeeming God and so whenever Joseph tells the story he tells it from the perspective of God's redemptive work in his life Good God Almighty, I've got to finish here now, but, but it just makes me think of my own story. Good God. I, 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 whenever you've heard me, if you've been around, you've heard me tell my story, right? I always tell it. It's a redemptive story. I, I, you know, the, I, when, when my, when my, when my <laughs> well, Lord, six months old, I got, ended up getting, getting scarred. Uh, uh, but but what, I, what I end up telling the story is that I was on the doctor's table and my heart stopped beating, but the grace of God started my heart to beating come on now that that my, my, my dad said that's not mine but God raised up a grand uncle and an auntie and Kashada said we got him come on now that I ended up in special education but but God showed up in special education and transformed me from a special needs student to a fellow who would teach at Harvard Divinity come on I, whenever I talk about my story it's not the victim it's the victor it's the one that God has done a great work of redemption he's made my life life fruitful and he wants to do it for you right in the land of your suffering all right I'm out of time I gotta stop I gotta stop I gotta stop praise be to God show up here next week show up here next week let me give you a resource here's a resource here praying our goodbyes take a picture this is a great book that you ought to get and read let me let me let me let me offer suggest some next steps to you what are you gonna do with this message what are you gonna do well, if you go to our apps, you'll see a connection card there. If you go inside a connection card, you're going to find three next steps that you can take. And then <laughs> say yes to Jesus. Come back to Jesus or ask for some more information. Let him be Lord. Let him be the, the chief, the lead player in your life. Right? Then there's the message response. If you agree, just check yes to it. I will trust God and say goodbye. And then finally, uh, there's some reflection questions. Take a picture of these three questions. I put three here for you. What or who do you need to say goodbye? Remember saying goodbye is saying God bless you. Uh, what is your compass word? What is your redeemed story? You might want to write it out, but whatever you do, make sure you share your redeemed story with somebody and don't you dare miss next week.
Boy, I hope you were blessed by this message. I am delighted that you're joining us for this series. Make sure you're with us next week. Uh, really, a couple of quick things here as we exit. First, if you want to be notified whenever we go live, uh, make sure you press the notification buttons, both in our Facebook app and on our page. And hey, listen, make sure you sign up for our Marriage Life virtual retreat, which will be held January 29th through 30. Even if this is your first time joining us,